Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. So in this series, we've been looking at the, the, the prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray in Matthew when he told them to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. And we've, we've talked about what that looks like a little bit. The first week we started talking about how in order for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, that our kingdom, we had to yield to his kingdom and our will had to bow to his will. And, and, and we talked about the importance of knowing what the will of God is for our lives. And so many times we get so worried about the big picture and what the final destination of what our life looks like that we forget about the day-to-day things that scripture already tells us are part of his will. And, and last week we looked at that, that, that one of the things that he desires is that it's his will that we would love one another. It's his will that we would dwell together in unity, that, that we would have uh, each other's back, that there would be no division among us. And we talked about how to handle uh, division when, when you encounter that and, and, and when you, you are, are struggling with things and stuff, how the Bible tells us to handle these situations. And today we're going to look back at the passage of Scripture. Uh, we're going to start there in John 17. This is the passage of scripture that we read last week, and this is the, the prayer of Jesus that he prayed for his disciples, but as we're going to see here in the first verse, he didn't just pray it for his disciples, he prayed it for us as well. I do not ask for these only, I'm talking about his disciples that were in the room, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so he's, that's us. That's the, the, the way that we believe in Jesus is through the word uh, that the disciples taught and the word that the disciples wrote that, that we get uh, in the Bible today. And he says, I pray that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us, so that the world might believe that you have sent me. And I think that was a, a very important thing that we underlined last week, that, that one of the things that this world is waiting for is to see Christ in us. One of the things that is going to prove that Jesus was sent by God is the fact that we love one another and that we're in unity. And it says, the glory I've, that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfectly one. And then he says it again, so that, so the purpose for their oneness is that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer was that they would see love, they would see unity, the world would see oneness in us so that the world could know that he was real, so that the world could know that his love was real. He told his disciples later, or earlier actually in the night in John 13, and we looked at this last week as well, a new commandment I'm going to give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
Now you think about the way that Jesus loved his disciples. Jesus, when Peter would open his mouth and insert his foot, Jesus lovingly and sometimes sarcastically almost kind of corrected him. Like Jesus, even with James and John, he would look at them and be like, you sons of thunder. Like, he, you know, you could just kind of hear some of this stuff in, in Jesus. Like he's not rebuking them. It's just like, he, he, you know, he's like, he even said at one point, like, how much longer do I have to deal with you guys? Like, I mean, that type of thing. He's correcting them. He's loving them and, and through everything. And he says, and you are also to love one another in this way. And by this... The people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Why are these two verses and passages so important? Because these passages tell us that the way that the kingdom of God is going to be revealed to the world is in our love and in our unity. Thought I would get a better amen than that. It's kind of weak. Summersville, can you give me a better amen than Mount Hope's giving me right now? If our mission is to reach lost people, if, if, if the reason why we're here is to see lost people saved and, and lives changed, he said the way that they are going to see this is when you love one another, if, when you finally get along, people will see that I'm real. When you can love one another, they will begin to see the things. I, I, I was listening to a sermon this week by Francis Chan, and I actually showed it to our staff uh, this week, and, and it was an illustration that he used, and, and he was talking about in, in, the, in his sermon, he was talking about, you know, just picture if you were alive during the days when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and you get to meet Mary, and she's holding the Son of God in her womb. Like, and you know that this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the person that you've been waiting for that's going to bring salvation and deliverance to your people. Can you imagine how you would talk to Mary? Like you would, you would be on your best behavior. You would, you would, you would be showing love. You'd be like, "Can I help you with anything? Can I help you sit down? Do you need anything?" Like you would be doing whatever. Why? Because she's holding the Son of God in her womb. And then he said, "But we have to realize that when there are believers, that they are holding the Spirit of God inside of them." Why is it that we would hold Mary in a place of honor and do things to serve her or help her, but yet people who are carrying the Spirit of God inside of them, we willingly will attack? I'm going to give an altar call right now. I mean, when you think about that, every believer is carrying God inside of them. That's what Jesus taught in his disciples in John 14, the same time when he's uh, at the Last Supper, he's telling about the Holy Spirit and he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and, uh, who's going to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him and he dwells with you. But then he tells his disciples, but then he will dwell within you. 
saying that the Spirit of God, you know, throughout the Old Testament and even here in the New Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people, they would accomplish a task, and then the Spirit of God would lift. But he said it's not going to be that way anymore. The Spirit of God's going to come and dwell inside of you. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, from whom you have from God? You are not your own, but you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Now, I know a lot of people will use this as a, as a message of you got to get healthy and you got to lose weight and you got to exercise. That's the way that you glorify God. And that is one small way that you glorify God with your body. But are you glorifying God with your body? The things that you put your hands to do, does it glorify God? The things that you put your eyes before your eyes to watch, does that bring glory to God? The way that you talk about others and the way that you talk about people, is it bringing glory to God? Are, are you lifting up the works of the enemy and everything that he's doing to destroy people's lives? Or are you lifting up God and the things that he's doing to rescue people's lives? You know, this week, uh, on Wednesday... Wednesday night, actually, my, my grandma had a, a fall in her house, and she couldn't get to a phone or anything to call. And the next day, Thursday, somebody had came to deliver her medicine, and they weren't able to get her to come through the door, so they called my aunt. And my aunt went to the house and was kind of banging on the door trying to get in and, and trying to call and everything, and my grandma wasn't responding. And, and so she called me and asked me if I could come over there and so I had to go over to her house and had to remove a pane of glass out of a door to be able to get into her. And, and when I got into her, she was laying on the ground. She had fallen during the night, had been laying there for a, a period of time. And we were able to get her and, and get her to the hospital and everything. And, and uh, so they, after they were doing the, the tests and stuff, we were able to go into the ER. And, and I'm sitting back there with her. And she's just sitting here. And she was like, i tell you what. This devil, oh, I want to get my hands on him. He's, he's always messing with people. I can't, he done picked a fight with the wrong person. I'm ready to fight him right now. I'm going to get him like she was fired up. That devil, he, he shouldn't have messed with me, like, like all this stuff. And, and she's like, you know what? I am not glorifying the devil for what he did. I'm glorifying God. God sent you to help get in the door. I was able to be here. These doctors are taking care of me. I'm not giving that devil any glory for what he did. I'm going to give glory for the God and she's just like and if I ever see I wish I could see him just Ugh. I was like you get him mama <laughs> but what was she doing she started she started talking and she was realizing she was giving the devil all the glory for what had happened Everything she was saying, it was about what the devil did. And she's like, no, 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 I'm stopping that right now. I'm not giving the devil glory for what he's done. I'm focusing on what God did. That's how you glorify God with your body. Do you glorify God with your mouth and what you say? How many of us are so negative and here we are, we carry the presence of God with us, and people don't want to be around us because we're negative Nelly. It's like, oh, here they come. I wonder what happened to them now. 
wonder what's broken, wonder what's going wrong, wonder, you know, versus when people get around us, they should be uplifted. Why? Because we carry the presence of God. That word temple is the Greek word naos, and it means a sanctuary or divine dwelling place. Come on, when was the last time you looked at yourself in your life as a divine dwelling place? Let's be honest. There's some of you that there are things that you would say outside of these four walls that you won't say inside of these four walls because this is a sanctuary. But that's what Paul was saying. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Like, do you not get this? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God chose to come and live inside of you. Why would God come and choose to live inside of us? Because he wanted to fulfill his plan of bringing heaven to earth through us. And when we pray like Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. What you are doing is saying, I am in alignment with your plan, God. I want your kingdom to come in my life today. I want your kingdom to be revealed through my life today. I don't want just my will to be done. You got so many people wondering about their purpose and why they're here on earth and, and everything and the whole question of why on earth are we here on earth and everything. And, and that, uh, so many times in the church we live as if the reason why that we have been here on earth is to be saved that so one day we can get to heaven. One day we can have victory. One day we can walk free from sin. One day we can walk and have health in our life. But Jesus said, no, I don't want you to wait for one day. I want you to pray every day that his kingdom come now. That his will be done now. And one of the biggest things that God is super clear about in his word is his will for lost people to be saved. But most believers don't live their life. They carry the presence of God, which is the answer to the, what, the, the, the broken homes and the broken families and the, those that are addicted and those that are struggling. It's the very answer of what they need. And yet we won't release it into their lives. One of the things that the Word of God is so clear about is He wants to see lost people saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but He is patient toward us, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance. You know that word all, you know what it means in the Greek? All. God's desire is that every single person, whether you like them or not, whether you think they're worthy of it or not, whether you think they're deserving of it or not, he doesn't care what you think. He thought so much about every individual that he sent his son to die on a cross for their sins. And who are we to receive the presence of God and, and then hold on to it as if there's something special that we did to deserve that, that other people don't deserve it. Even when Jesus came on this earth, in, in uh, Luke chapter 19, he's, he, he sees a man who's up in a tree because the Lord he wanted to see 
Come on, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. (laughs) And as he's walking by, he stops and he looks up in the tree and he sees Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is somebody that nobody liked. He was a tax collector. He robbed people. He cheated people. Most of the people that he was from thought that he had betrayed their own people because he was working for the Roman government. Nobody wanted, if anybody saw him coming, they wanted to go the other way because they know he's going to steal from them. He's going to take from them. And yet Jesus goes and spends time with him. And when the Pharisees and everybody get all judgmental about that, in verse 10 he says, listen, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to go spend time in church and have church. I didn't come just to heal some people. I came to heal them of the one thing that there's nothing, like doctors can help treat things medically and help bring healing to your body. But the one thing that nobody else can heal is your soul. And Jesus came to bring life to people's soul, their spirit, to bring it back to life to where they could be healed. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Even the the famous verse that everybody knows in John 3.16, for God so loved the world and that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So many times that's where we stop and we just stop with the focus on that we get eternal life, that one day we get to go to heaven. But then he didn't stop there. He said, for God didn't just send his son. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send his son for him to look at people and say, you sinner, you heathen, you're going to go to hell if you don't change. Jesus never acted that way with sinners. Jesus only was harsh with religious people. Jesus only sometimes was even kind of harsh with his own disciples. But when he was with the sinners, he was full of compassion. He was full of love. Zacchaeus is one. The Samaritan woman at the well is another. The woman caught in adultery is another. The demoniac in in Mark chapter 5 is another. Everywhere you see when Jesus was encountering people who were lost and hurting, he wasn't rebuking them. He wasn't preaching at them. He wasn't telling them how horrible they were. He's saying, I've got something that I can give you that would change your life forever. Oh, you're here for this water. Uh, Let me tell you about some water that if you drink, you will never thirst again. Why? He was carrying the presence of God. He wasn't just the son of God, but that's even why when he was on earth, he was 
living as a son, but then in, in Matthew 3, when he's baptized, the Spirit of God came and rested among him as a sign to John and others. John was like, who, who is going to be the Messiah? And he said, the one that the Spirit of God comes and, and, and doesn't ascend. He, he descends and he remains. That's going to be the person who's there. And Jesus was the first person that the Spirit of God came and stayed upon him and led him. You look at Mark, or Matthew 4 when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. It says he was led by the Spirit of God to do this. Throughout Scripture, you will see that even Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, in, in Philippians, it's, Philippians 2, it says, even though he was the Son of God, he didn't see uh, equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead he laid down his godliness. He laid down that, and he took on the role of a bondservant. When Jesus walked this earth, he was set an example for the way that we should live. By leading by the Spirit of God and by listening to the Word of God. Jesus even said, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. He was showing us the way that we're supposed to live. The way that we're supposed to walk. And then when Jesus was getting ready to depart into heaven, his, his disciples are, are fearful and, and all of that. And he says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to wait in this upper room. And then he tells them in, in uh, Acts 1.8, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to notice what he, what he says, that the Spirit of God is coming upon you for you to take this message to others. The reason why he gives us the Spirit of God is not just so that we can feel good and so that we can have church and so that we can dance around and so that we can be excited or so that we can pray in the Spirit or so that we can do things. He sent the Spirit of God to us so that we would take it to others, so that we would share the Word of God. He even told them that in, in John 14 through 16, you can go look at those things. He tells them, I'm gonna, I, the, the Spirit of God's going to come and He's going to comfort you when you need comfort. But He's going to lead you and guide you in all things. He even said, there are some things that I want to tell you right now, but I can't tell you because you're not ready for it. But when you are ready for it, the Spirit of God will tell you these things and He will teach you and He will lead you and guide you in all truth. Here we are, sanctuaries, divine dwelling places of the Spirit of God. And we keep him locked up as if we're ashamed of him. That's the way that we treat it. Because when you're not talking to people about what he's done in your life, when you're not talking to people about the things that he's teaching you and, and all of that, you are holding the Spirit of God. So many times people use that verse that says, don't quench the Spirit of God. And, and, and they use it as if uh, it, it's like if we're in church and, and somebody wants to take off running the pews and you tell them, you, you kind of stop them or anything like that, you're quenching the Spirit of God. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. 
He said, don't hold the spirit of God inside of you and not share it with the world. What good does it do if the kingdom comes to your life if he doesn't flow through your life into the lives of others? The whole purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus spent a huge amount of time. Go read Luke 14, 15. We, we did some sermons where we talked about these things in Luke 14 and 15 about how his desire, you know, the man throwing the banquet in, and, and some people rejected because they were too busy with life and they were too busy with all of these things. And he said, then go find the, the, the weak and the, the weary and, and go find the blind and the lame. And, and they said, we've already done that. And he said, I don't care. Go back again. Go into the highways and the hedges. Go wherever you've got to go, wherever there are people that are out there, go find them and bring them in because the the father's desire is that his house would be full. And yet so many times we can't even invite a co-worker to church. When was the last time that you looked around the sanctuary where you are and you see an empty chair and you purposed in your heart, that chair is going to be filled next week because I'm inviting somebody. Because the kingdom of God doesn't just come to us to stay with us. Even when Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, he's still telling them, you need to go in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus told them that all authority has been given to me uh, in heaven and on earth. And, and so go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. I want you to notice that word again, all. Like, and, and nations isn't just like it's individual people groups and things. It's not just country borders and stuff because all that stuff changes geographically all the time. He's like, I want you to go reach everybody, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on and he says, but you need to teach them to observe the things that I have commanded you. This is one of the things that we haven't done well is teach people to observe the things that God commanded, not suggested. And then when you get somebody who does tell you the things that God commands, then we don't like it because it, 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 it seems like, well, you know, that, that, that's just hard. That's just legalistic. That's just whatever. No, that's what Jesus said. These are his commands. And this is what he said is you got to teach people, they got to obey it. There are too many people in the church who know the commands of Jesus but don't obey them. And then when they're confronted with it, they just make an excuse about it. It's like, but you don't understand. I, I, I would forgive them, but, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what, how they offended me. You don't know what they said. I, listen, I, I have every right to, to go and say something about somebody and, and spread gossip. I have every right to do it. No, you don't. You don't. When you do, the Spirit of God that is inside of you is grieved. Go read Ephesians 4. Toward the end of it. He's talking about relationships and things. And he talks about 
that the Spirit of God is grieved. And when is the Spirit of God grieved? When we hold bitterness and unforgiveness and we don't love each other and forgive each other the way that Christ desired. When we, when we don't use our words to build people up, but we use our words to tear people down. That's what grieves God. He says, you need to go and you got to teach them to obey the commands. One of the commandments that he just gave in this is go preach the gospel to the nations. He doesn't say pastors preach the gospel to the nations, apostles, teachers, evangelists. You guys go preach the gospel to the nations. Everybody else, y'all get a free pass from this. He doesn't, he doesn't specify. He doesn't specify any of this. He tells them, go make disciples. And those disciples should be people who understand that they've got a message inside of them. The Spirit of God is inside of them. And they need to preach the word. They need to tell other people about the goodness of God. Preach the gospel. And Mark, he he puts his uh, version of it, Mark uh, 16, 15. It says, and he said to them, Go into the world, proclaim the gospel to, uh, to the whole creation. And whoever is believed and will be baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in me. I want you to notice something here. This is not something that comes by those who ask me for these things, then I will give these things to them. It says, the people who believe in me, these things are going to be natural things that follow them. In my name, they will cast out demons. When was the last time you cast out a demon? Some of y'all do it for, for uh, fairly frequently, you know, I mean, it's but for the average believer, they'd be like, oh, I'm better than no demon. Never. But it says believers would cast out demons. They would speak in new tongues. They would pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Now, some people have taken this way too far. They're like, this is a command. We shall pick up snakes and, and all that. No, that's not what it's saying. It's not... It's not a command. He's saying if it happens, so if you come upon a serpent, it, it bite, it, if, if there's some attack, like a poison or whatever, it's, it's not going to harm you. It says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do, do you all see the definite part of this? They will Lay hands, and they will recover. You know, what's the problem? Most of us are too afraid to lay hands on somebody and pray for them because we're afraid that they're not going to be healed. And what happens if they're not healed if we lay hands on them? Then we're going to look stupid. Well, you know what? You didn't believe. Because if you believed it, it would be a natural thing. The the word there for believe in the Greek is pisuos, and it means this. It means... To believe uh, the believing that leads to or precedes God's inbirthing of faith. The type of belief that is just, it's either leading to the point of salvation or 
It's, it's out of the expression and the point of salvation that you believe that God is going to do something. James tells him, he says, what good, brothers, is it if you say that you have faith, uh, but you don't have works? Can that type of faith save him? If a, if a brother has uh, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and, and one of you say to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? What, what good is it to, to just, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for you, and then you don't? What good is it if you see somebody who needs food and you just kind of turn and go the other way? It's like that's not faith. So also faith by itself, if you have uh, not works, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What is James saying here? He said, what you see in me, I shouldn't have to tell you I have faith. I shouldn't have to wear a Christian t-shirt to let you know that I go to church somewhere. You should see it evident in my life by the way that I live. The, the faith that I have should come out if I truly believe that God can rescue people and save people and deliver people. Then I'm going to go through my life sharing about the goodness of God. And I'm going to tell the testimony of what God's done in my life. And, and I'm, it's going to come out of me. You're going to see my faith by the things that I do. I'm going to love people, even people that don't look like me, even people that don't agree with me, even people who you wish would take a shower, wear some deodorant. We like to love people from a distance. Hey, God bless you. Just Hey, over there. Don't get any of that mess near me. Like if you truly love somebody, you don't care about the mess. That's like you, most men in here probably don't go around changing other people's babies' diapers. Right? But you'll change your kid's diaper. Why? Because you love them. And mamas love them so much, they're like, ooh, you made a little poo-poo. <laughs> ooh, it's a little stinky. Like, they crazy love. But the mess doesn't bother you. You, you can't, I can't look at you, Mickey, and say, I love you. But I don't want to ever talk to you, and I don't want to spend time with you, and I can't worship God with you, and I can't, like, that doesn't work. That's not the love that will allow the world to see that Jesus loves them. We have to love Jesus enough to love people the way that he loves them where we're willing to be inconvenienced by we're willing to endure some things we're willing to work through some things we're willing to even agree to disagree 
because we know the most important thing is that we're unified. And we have to realize that division and disunity is one of the greatest attacks that's holding back the revival that we're praying and hoping to see. And we've got to make sure I'm not being a part of that. I'm praying God's kingdom to come. And so I'm going to be in action. I'm going to, I'm going to love people where they are. I'm going to serve people where they are. I'm, going to, I'm not going to just say I have faith. I'm going to demonstrate my faith. James goes on and says, you believe that God is one and you do well. But here's the thing, even the demons believe and they shudder. Like some of us, we don't have a healthy fear of God. We believe that God is powerful and mighty and stuff, but we'll continue in sin because, uh, you know, God may let me by. Maybe, maybe he'll forgive me. We don't, we don't shudder to be away from the presence of God. He says, do you want to, uh, do you want to be shown, you foolish man, that faith apart from works is useless. We weren't saved to sit. So many times in the church we talk about being discipled and getting in a small group and we talk about serving and we talk about using your gifting and we, we talk about loving and we talk about all these things and, and so many people are like, that's great for them but I'm busy. I've, I've, I've got a sports schedule. I've got, I've got these things going on. And, but that sounds like, go, go read Luke 14 because that sounds a lot like what the people were saying there. And they didn't get to enjoy the banquet feast that the master was throwing. Listen, when we truly believe we're not going to hide our faith from others we're going to tell other people about Jesus when we truly believe we're going to realize that everything that we have came from him and it's for him when we truly believe we're going to understand that our life is not our own but that we're supposed to be crucified to our own will and desires. That's why Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, which crucifies our will, so that it's not our life that we live, but it's Christ who lives within us. If we truly believe, we're going to forgive. If we truly believe, we're going to pursue peace. If we truly believe, we're going to realize our time, talent, and treasures are all for him. And not for us. We're going to make him the Lord of our time. We're going to make him the Lord of our talent. Just going to church on Sundays doesn't mean that Jesus is the Lord of your time. What about the rest of the days of the week? The giftings and talents and abilities that God gave you We've talked about how those things, you were fearfully and wonderfully made and created by him. And he gave you those gifts, not just so that you could get rich off of those gifts, 
but so that you could use those gifts to truly impact people's eternities. And when we realize that our treasure is his, then we're not like, well, I paid my tithe. God, you want me to give to a missionary? Ah, seems a bit much. I'll tell you what, I'll take part of my tithe and I'll give it to the missionary. And I, no, that's it. Tithe comes to the storehouse. That's your tithe. Anything else is an offering. And, you know, a pastor trying to get my money. When was the last time we even mentioned tithe and offering in here? We don't do that. Some people are like, how do we even give in here? I don't even know how to give to your church. Black box is in the back on your way out. If you pass by them, that's where they are. QR code is where you give. But if his kingdom has come, it should be evident in our life. In the way that we live, in the way that we love, in the way that we serve, in the way that we give, in the way that we talk, in the way that we interact with one another. And when his kingdom is our priority, we love one another and there's unity, then all of those miracles and things are just going to follow us. If we truly believe, do you want his kingdom to come? Do you want his will to be done? If you do, your will has to die. And you lay down your kingdom because you realize that his kingdom and his will is far better than anything that you could have. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.